Hello and welcome everybody to The Hill is Always Greener, a show where four friends have chill discussions about Sonic the Hedgehog to distract them from the fact that we're just not all hip and cool with the youth and all that stuff. What up, my homies? Yeah, that's what Sonic says in Sonic Adventure 3. Oh, I've been so ex- I've been so excited. Finally, a Sonic that I can relate to as a middle-aged, rapidly aging. Oh god. Oh god. And he was super into the Super Bowl halftime show this year. <laughs> uh, so I'm Rock the Jake. Oh yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, I'm Flaro too. Uh, and I'm Game Buddy. And I am the rapidly deteriorating Cyberlink. Well, we're all rapidly deteriorating here. It's great. Cyberlink will soon become Skeletor, so every time he introduces himself. <laughs> exactly. They just go, yeah, when he introduces himself. Finally, it's the role I was born to play. It's the role you died to play. Um. <laughs> uh, no skin off these bounds. Yeah. Yeah. I guess since I introed, I can like kind of guide us into at least the first part of the podcast. Um, have we done any Sonic-y stuff this week? Uh, actually, yes. Uh, I did two Sonic-y things this week. Uh, first off... Uh, the long awaited, my long awaited Blu-ray of the complete series of Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog came in literally just yesterday. So I got the chance to kind of give that a first look and oh, it's so, it's so cool. Like even for not having watched that series in a good long while, I, it actually, like the quality is actually really, really good. There's a surprising amount of like solid bonus content as well like they've got all the episodes plus christmas blast they've got the unaired pilot which is still in not great quality because you know those tapes are deteriorating every day but it's actually it's just super cool to see like this early version of the show that's both very familiar and also very different from what we ended up getting like hearing you know jim cummings as a robotnik instead of long john baldry is a little surreal and I didn't realize until watching yesterday that, oh, they literally just took a frame from this pilot and turned it into the continue screen from Mean Bean Machine. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Didn't I see someone point out that uh, Rusi Taylor is Tails? Th- this is what I'm hearing, yeah. Which is, like, again, like surreal. <laughs> she just says one line, but it's great. The yeah, great. It's, it's just in the Sonic Says segment. Which is also, it's also wild to think that Sonic Says was a part of as the show as far back as the original pilot. And it was always going to be Urkel. Always yeah. going to yeah. be Urkel. <laughs> from the beginning. They, they, what they wanted. I wonder if that was part of the baked in. A lot of American broadcast standards were like, uh, you can make cartoons for kids with, you know, characters to advertise things, but you got to be educational. <laughs> yep. It's all. It's also wild seeing characters that would never show up in the show proper. Like there was a scene where like Sonic is talking to this lion King Leo and his gorilla warfighters, which are literally just <laughs> gorillas. Uh huh. That's a very <laughs> adventures joke. Yeah. The same show that gave us dub bears. Dub bears. Dub <laughs> bears. Um, they also see Robotnik in like the first boss from Green Hill Zone, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, the, the wrecking ball. That's. And like there was also a segment where they had some of the uh, like the choppers from Sonic One, the octopus enemies from Sonic Two, like there and like Sonic straight up runs through Emerald Hill Zone and Hilltop Zone at one point. 
Yeah, they do. They decided to lean into actually putting things in the game instead of like creating the cast of characters that would end up being mean, mean machines, uh, enemies like yeah. Davy Sprocket. <laughs> <laughs> it is a absolutely gorgeous box set. Like I am quickly becoming like a discotheque evangelist with, oh, 100%. <laughs> with all of their releases. One hundred percent, and it's cool that like. It seems like a lot of the bonus content came directly from Milton Knight himself, who was a storyboarder on the show. Oh, like, God bless he him. He did commentary on the pilot in a couple of episodes. He, a bunch of his like early sketches and other promotional stuff he did of Robotnik are in those bonus features. Like it's, it's just super cool from the perspective of somebody who like was really into that show and really appreciates it. Like on a level beyond just this is a funny thing I watched as a kid. Like this is kind of a formative part of our understanding of Sonic during that era. And it's cool to see like all the stuff behind it. The other Sonic related thing I did, uh, you guys remember when I talked about that Mario 64 Rob hack a couple of uh, episodes ago. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've become kind of an evangelist for cool N64 hacks ever since I got a cart I can use to like play them on my actual system. And one that I have been shilling for for a long time now is called uh, Smash Remix, which is a very, very, a very polished, very full featured ROM hack of the original Super Smash Brothers for N64. Like they have already more than doubled the roster and added in both like characters from newer games like Bowser and Ganon and also completely original characters like conquer and the mad piano from mario 64 because why not (laughs) and uh just a couple of weeks ago they put out their big 1.10 update and sonic is now playable i saw that um that trailer and it looks really cool (laughs) yeah like and it's like the amount of polish that went to it is super cool too like you kind of forget that the original super smash brothers came out one month after the Japanese release of Sonic Adventure, which is a weird thing to really think about. And if it wasn't clear, it is like uh, the adventure version of Sonic, complete with like appropriate sound clips and everything. Yeah, like they were definitely leaning into that presentation for like the character model and stuff. But they also have a classic Sonic alternate skin and then a alternate boss variant of Super Sonic that just like, jumps higher, runs faster, hits harder, that appears as an alternate boss in their, like, remixed classic mode, but is also, like, playable if you want to. And they added in, uh, like, a bunch of Sonic music, which are all, like, really good arrangements, and three new Sonic stages. There's Green Hill, which is kind of based on the version from the Project M mod, where it's, like, a single platform with a swinging uh, thing above it. Uh, Casino Night Zone, which has the bumpers above it that it kind of bounce you around. And then what might be the coolest one, Metallic Madness from CD, which has rising and falling pillars. And then this robot B that comes along and hits you with like the shrink ray from that level that turns all your characters tiny if it hits you. <laughs> That's so cool. It's such a, it's such a cool gimmick. I love it so much. I have to say, I like that this part of the show often becomes, man, fans do such a good job with all these properties, right? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's really true. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's part of one of the things that I wanted to make sure we consistently talked about in these episodes is there is so much cool Sonic fan content. I want to make sure that it you know, gets properly referenced when we come across it. 
because like more people need to see this stuff for themselves so the the main way that i i read like the idw comics these days is i usually wait for them to be available via ebook from my like local library and volume nine i believe is what it is uh recently became available so i've started reading through that where um i think it's where i mean i haven't even gotten particularly far in it but i think they meet like some sort of like puppet robot yeah oh yeah yeah so i i i don't know anything about it but like i've started reading it and i'm just like yay more sonic woo I'm glad you guys have got a way to read these comics because uh, for people like me who read on Comixology, it's been ruined forever thanks to Amazon. Oh man, I didn't even look into that, but I literally saw people just coming across my social media timelines talking about how it is ugly and terrible and they've changed everything for no reason. All my subscriptions are gone. I'm going to have to buy it one by one. Yeah, I need to to (laughs) resubscribe to Beast Wars. Oh my god! It's so I mean, what what a what a great what a great thing to roll out just as I get a message that they're saying, oh yeah, we're, we're raising the price of your prime by the way, and here's all the projects oh. we're wasting money on. Right. Good we're lord. Gonna put your Sonic comic books in space. Well, this week on Radical Left Highway, capitalism and how it <laughs> ruins Sonic and everything else you love. Anyway, Mr. Bezos, it's your monthly payment. Uh, thank you very uh-huh. much. <laughs> Uh, I do. I did actually watch um, a couple of videos, and one of them was the uh, the Sonic Adventure Two reimagined animated music video, which was um, really nice. Uh, it's just you know a showcase of a whole bunch of I think a couple of dozen different artists, um, and that's a really really nice little animated video. And then yeah. it, they even bring it together at the end after like the big cool music video, and just kind of reanimate the scene. Um, you know, the final goodbye to Shadow during the credits. And um, it's cool. It's it's a neat little project. They they recorded their own voices, and it's, uh, you know, reminded me of a, a lot of our stuff we've done together. And so I was like, oh, good for y'all. Yeah. I'm so glad cool. you put that out into the world. I need to check that out, apparently. That sounds yeah. pretty cool. I can tell that they, they use most of the script um from the game in the last part but tweaked it just a little bit with some of the the retranslations and and ah. the script from sonic x so instead of um you know tails's famous line i don't know but we all did it together he actually <laughs> says like something encouraging back to eggman <laughs> god i love that bit in the original game thought that was a nice touch <laughs> I do love that in the original game. <laughs> Robotnik's yeah. having this real like crisis about his his grandfather and the thing the atrocities <laughs> he's committed. Did he really mean to destroy us all? And Tails is like, I don't know about that, bro, but we had a good time doing it. That's You're like, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I don't get> <laughs> oh goodness. Was my love and appreciation of my grandpa really founded on a lie? I like <laughs> cotton candy. <laughs> 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 It's a boy genius right there. Um, <laughs> 300 IQ. Yeah. We're the same level of smart. Remember when we were killing each other like half an hour ago? <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the sub- on the topic of um like fan animations and stuff, um I think we all like recently came across that um crushing in the 90s video slash song. Yeah. 30s, right. 30s and 90s. They're all connected in a way if you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> Yeah, that crushing in the thirties video uh, was quite interesting. Like a really great, like crush forty uh, styled song, sung by Johnny Gioelli, and uh, 
Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's got the thing is, if you see the animation, it's very much um, it's this kind of animation showing Sonic like he's past his old, his prime, and it, it's kind of that sort of humor that you see a lot when people who don't understand Sonic sort of reference him. They're like, "Oh, Sonic's old now. He's not as cool now. What if we applied real world stuff to Sonic now?" But it's I feel like it comes from a place of people who love Sonic, so it's kind of like feels true to the sort of stuff we do. So I like it, you know. I I feel like we can be you can be a little bit cynical yeah. when approaching Sonic, but still have that sort of love and appreciation for what he is and what he's done. Yeah, that was a really nice one too. I I had no idea it wasn't a like Crush Forty song until I looked it up. <laughs> I thought it was just like a funny thing that they put out, but no, they just got Johnny to do guest vocals on it, and he can still do it. The oh boy yeah, can still do it. It amazes me every time. Did you hear the um the recent upload on like the Sonic Channel of um Live and Learn Acoustic? Yeah, yeah. Dude, oh, yeah, like just to continue on that, he can still do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good version too. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was the uh like the original vocals remixed, but then I realized like at several places that that is definitely a, a new recording, and yeah. it, just because like wow, he still can hit those notes. <laughs> <laughs> it is almost a little weird hearing it deliver it, hearing deliver it in that style with an acoustic remix. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you yeah. like, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, it's still cool. Um, yep, yep. That, that whole Rock and Sonic, or whatever they call it, that album of songs is real high quality stuff. Yeah, uh, yes. Sonic Selects or whatever it's called. A reason to officially release those remixes. Um, T Lopes did uh was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, it was a few years ago. Within the within the past like eighteen months or so. Really nice. Yeah, like the Splash Hill and the Underground from Sonic 2 on the Master Yes. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> God, I cannot believe how good Splash Hill sounds with just June Sinewe on guitar. Like they should have <laughs> just done that. I don't know why <laughs> they decided to do fake Mega Drive. <laughs> They wanted they were, like tried, but it's, oh. it's every something. time every time they play Sonic Four tracks and anything other than the Sonic Four sound font, it sounds really good. <laughs> yep. Yeah, who who would have thought? <laughs> I think we've discussed a whole bunch of Sonic stuff. Um yes, we have. Sonic stuff. <laughs> Thank you for listening and oh wait, no, we have more. Well, without any particularly clever segue from what we were talking about, today's topic is we're talking about Sonic and Pinball and all the different ways he's been interpreted and used in Pinball throughout the years. And honestly, I, I'm i not a professional Pinball player by any means. I'm just a Pinball enthusiast. Like whenever I'm somewhere that has a Pinball machine, I gravitate towards it because I don't know, there's something fun about using paddles to make a little metal ball fly around a board. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sonic really like his design, especially when he's in a spin ball or his, uh, his spin dash or rolling ball animation, it basically screams pinball if you're in that right mindset. And there's been so many different versions of it that it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And I mean, what better way to start than just talking about just in general, laying down some of the key things about how Sonic's regular gameplay is even outside of a pinball machine, still kind of pinball-y. And the very first thing I can think of is... Like when he hits, um, you know, one of the big red bumpers, like you, you see bumpers in regular pinball, no matter what it is. And, you know, in Sonic, it makes him go up really high or go really fast or whatever. It increases momentum. And Sonic's a very pinball-y character, even when he's just rolling around. 
Yeah, it's spring Springyard in Sonic One is like like you said. Sonic's gameplay is very momentum jumping and rolling based. But then, yeah, even in the original game, you get to Spring Yard and here is basically almost like uh, it's more vertical than the levels you've been in before. And you're you're doing the rolling and the bumpers and the <laughs> the scoring and the cope written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you have to what? Why am I doing an old Jewish man? <laughs> You have to watch out for the spiky balls or you'll get hurt very badly. I don't know if we want to keep that or not. No, look, we are absolutely keeping that in. I don't know why you did it, but it needs to be in the podcast. Yeah. Pinball has, it feels like pinball's kind of been baked into Sonic's DNA basically since the beginning. You know, Spring Yard was definitely the first level that kind of played with that, but you would definitely see a lot of that going forward in future levels especially in subsequent games like obviously the one that we all think of immediately is casino night from sonic 2 casino night i mean that's what everyone thinks of you know the casino level that's my yeah part. you ask anyone they're like oh, i love sonic i like the casino level I'm like yeah of course you do yeah it's fun <laughs> and like i think that you know that level and the way they integrated the pinball mechanics into that was probably the biggest reason why it's become such a recurring motif in Sonic as a series as a whole. Like, you know, we had Collision Chaos in CD, Carnival Night in 3. Like, every game, more or less, with only a few exceptions, has some sort of a vaguely pinball or casino or amusement theme uh, thing to it. Yeah. yeah was was um, there pinball stuff in Carnival Night? I'm going to have to look back now. I mean, uh, it had the vibe, I know that much. Yeah, it definitely had the vibe, specific- but I... Th- I There's think lots there, of bumpers. Yeah, so. I think that it was That's mostly true. like bumpers and then the you know, balloons is exception that. Fair enough. Yeah. Objective quality aside, like even Sonic Forces threw in some pinball stuff in a couple of those classic levels. Yeah, mixing pinball with uh the jungle theme. Mm-hmm. Because I hey, why not? <laughs> <laughs> At least in my experience, it's not often where I hear anybody complain about a pinball section in a Sonic game, just like the only one I can recall, and maybe this doesn't count because it's technically Bingo and not Pinball, but Bingo Highway in Sonic Heroes is one of my, I have such terrible memories with that, especially trying to do it in hard mode, which gives you like a hard time limit, <laughs> which is a shame because I think the one right before that, uh, Act 1, is very fun. Casino Park, yeah. Yes, and they just throw Bingo in there and ruin it. Dadgummit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I had to look up what Bingo Highway was, and I'm looking at it now. I'm just like, oh, gosh, this one. I forgot about this. That's yes. pretty much a Sonic, a, uh, an element of the Sonic franchise is you got something good. Let's add something bad to it to make it worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's always keep that bar just a little bit low. <laughs> we can't have people having a real great time here. We've just got to balance it out with misery. Um, An undercurrent we keep rediscovering. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think. I feel like the only game that did not have at least some kind of amusement-themed level, the only one I'm thinking of immediately offhand is Adventure 2. Unless I'm not remembering correctly, but I don't think so. No, I think you're right. Adventure 2, nope. I mean, Adventure Two didn't mess, didn't mess around very long. Uh, that was very much just forward, lots of forward momentum in Adventure Two. I feel like Adventure Two and O Six are the only ones I can think of that didn't have something along those lines. 
Although there one were of those games is beloved and one isn't. Um, but... <laughs> I was going to say, there are stretches of 06 where you hit a lot of bumpers like over and over and over again. So That's true. <laughs> That's the same sort of experience, really. Well, I, oh, I, I take it back. 06 did have the billiards puzzle with silver. Son oh, of a yeah. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's our regular on 06 segment of the podcast. Yep, I'm, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we've hit our quota. Time to time to move on to spinball before yeah. we really <laughs> fall in a black hole. The fact that you know everybody does remember those levels is honestly the biggest reason why we even have the first game we're going to talk about, which is Sonic Spinball. Like I've looked up a bit of the development history, and they straight up said, "Yeah, our research showed that." Casino Night was everybody's favorite level. So we're like, why don't we just adapt that, like take that and adapt it into a full pinball game? That's something that sounds fun that we could do. I got to be honest. I suck and am terrible at this game. Have never made it past the first <laughs> uh, yep. the first table. But it is really interesting just from a, like a development perspective, from like the things they decided to like model it after. Um, if I if I remember correctly, it's a Sega Technical Institute, which was the the studio based in America, right? And they just kind of decided to throw in a bunch of things that I would associate with like the American side of Sonic uh, at the time. But it seems like that wasn't maybe like an explicit intention. Like we all know about the cameos from like the the Sad AM characters. Um, but then there's some like adventures designs in there and Sonic looks a lot like the, um, his, his sprites look a lot like the, like the Greg Martin airbrush art. Um, and all of that is just, it's kind of cool and very weird. (laughs) Yeah. It is kind of a surreal hodgepodge of all different types and eras of Sonic. Like it's definitely very much of a piece with like how, sonic and those characters were being portrayed at that time i, I think part of the reason it's a hodgepodge is because it was early satiem like when satiem was still like i think we talked about it before where it wasn't quite the dark and grim version of the satiem that we're used to yeah. yeah but it was a bit more sort of like adventures ish the sally that is in the game is pink sally <laughs> and i think there's a few characters that pop out of like during the spe- like we're talking about the special stage here specifically where yes. if you hit the egg prison like a bunch of characters pop out and uh they're not all freedom fighters i think there's like a dog that, unless that's supposed to be mutsky like <laughs> Th- i i've seen it referred to that it's supposed to be mutsky i i couldn't confirm it for sure but yes i have seen people say that 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 might be yeah. sonic's loyal non-anthro dog <laughs> mutsky <laughs> back when mutsky was gonna be a dog just a dog and not roboticized uh back during the days where it was going to be a happy show um <laughs> yeah for perspective uh i checked i looked this up spinball came out about two months after saturday morning show premiered so mm. wow so they they might have been drawing from that same pile of sonic cartoon bible material that all yeah. of these, this stuff came from yeah they were de- like, they yeah. were definitely developed in tandem and there was probably like some stuff that did not get properly communicated during that process here i just brought up the sprites on our little chat there in case you want to see them yeah that is seeing. definitely oh. what the non-roboticized mutsky the dog looks like in set am material and archie comics that is real fascinating and yeah. then just a generic monkey and flicky <laughs> <laughs> and pink sally pink sally yeah with the black yeah. hair 
And uh, I'm pretty sure that's Boomer Walrus, not Rota. <laughs> yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the uh, the general aesthetic is kind of caricature because the heads are huge and the bodies are small. Oh, they're very cute there. Yeah, they're still kind of styled of, uh, after like the little mo- uh, Mobini creatures. <laughs> I was going to say, don't forget, uh, it wasn't just uh, Sat AM because we got adventure style Scratch right there in the other bonus stage. That's true. We got Scratch and Cluck. Like coexisting in the same yeah game. Oh, it's, oh, it's weird in in like the fourth special stage and then i think we've got uh clucker from sonic 3 the from, uh, uh or sonic 2 and 3 the wing fortress yeah yeah oh my goodness yeah literally three different chicken bad nicks oh, chicken for every <laughs> occasion <laughs> morning noon and night i'm just looking at no hulk sonic it all looks really neat, though. But yeah, the special stages is literally Sonic sitting at a pinball machine and playing, and you can see his reflection in the the glass of the uh the like the window he's in front of. <laughs> yeah, and that design of the window is very clearly like directly based on the American cartoon model, like not even the Greg Martin art. Yeah, the flat the flat mohawk. Yeah, yeah. it's really strange that we got this game. Yeah. <laughs> no, <I like> it. <laughs> I will say from a gameplay perspective, I, I've i never really, I, I've played it, I've played Spinball a decent amount of times, but I, I'm not the biggest fan of it, to be honest, because the, just the gameplay itself, both when Sonic is like outside of a pinball area and like kind of running around and then also the main core pinball mechanics, he's just really heavy and, yeah and like you want to, like when you, when you're playing pinball, you want to have like some weight to it either that or like just the right amount of float but um it's just something about spinball like he's he's really heavy and like i'm thinking about i'm like kind of comparing it to like in casino night where during the uh the boss fight like sonic's just easily like whipping around the area like trying to jump on eggman and like throughout all the spinball it's just heavy i think maybe part of it is because i think the frame rate isn't like particularly super smooth throughout the game so i think that might be adding to it i was gonna say i wonder if it wouldn't like uh modern versions of the blue sphere special stages i wonder if it wouldn't benefit from a like a modern polishing so that the uh it runs a little quicker yeah i think it's just a a recurring case of people who didn't handle the original sonic games uh not understanding the physics of sonic that we will see (laughs) for many years to come (laughs) unfortunately i'm i'm looking it up and uh they they weren't sure they were going to be able to finish the game in time so they switched from like programming it in assembly to c and that's ended up causing like frame rate and optimization problems but it was what allowed them to you know get the game out in time for the deadline right wow so there uh, really is like a quote-unquote perfect version that could have been <laughs> oh, they, they, they've straight up admitted like yeah the game isn't as polished as we would like and you know we're glad it sold well and that people seem to like it but we really wish we could go back and fix stuff and i i do definitely feel that like the weight of sonic as a quote-unquote ball just it doesn't quite feel right especially compared to more realistic kind of pinball simulations like some of the other stuff we played for this episode and Mm. just the movements Um, a little it's a little off and it's honestly really hard to hit the some of the targets you're aiming for even more so than in like a proper pinball table 
Yeah. Some Sonic, uh, you Sonic Spinball super fans out there, I know you're ready to give us Project Spinball. So I, I know, you, I know you're listening, Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Speaking of like it coming out at the last minute, did you know they had to like uh, construct a new theme song for it at the last minute as well? Yeah. Oh, really? apparently, apparently, they didn't find out until the end that oh yeah, uh, Masato Nakamura owns the rights to the Sonic 1 and 2 music. So you can't actually use that in game. They're like, crap, crap, crap. Uh, okay, hey, <laughs> hey, uh, sound designer Howard Drossen, we need you to compose us a theme in two hours. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Fire up your Tesla coils. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's real good, though. I'm glad they changed it, because I love that little theme song. It's charming. Like a lot of the music is good. A lot of the music is little hit or miss, but I I still swear by Toxic Caves. That's the best one. Hell yeah! The one yeah the one song that people will probably hear because they can't get past that tape. Exactly. <laughs> it's <laughs> horrid. Yeah, that, that that game is real hard. I don't think I've ever actually beaten it until I played it for the episode this week, and that was only with the help of like the rewind feature in the PC Sega Genesis collection. I, I might I might have to go that route and using lots of save states and, and rewinding. Uh, but yeah, I did. I have looked up the other stages and it, like I said, it is very interesting from a visual uh, perspective. It's got a lot going on. Yeah, um, it definitely pulls more from like the kind of darker aesthetics of the Saturday morning show and like Archie and that sort of thing. Less from the wackier side of like adventures or the lighter aesthetics of you know the mainline games yeah which I, I think is appropriate because the as far as i remember from the the story in the manual is robotnik has taken over like the entirety of mount mobius and turned it into the vejo fortress and he's harnessing like the lava flow uh through the the volcano to make a giant roboticizer and definitely a very very american sat am concept absolutely <laughs> um which is also interesting because i i realized just looking at, at this i think this game might have like accidentally the most adaptions in other media yeah <laughs> Because it we've it was one of the first straight up game adaptions in the Archie comics. I think it was like regular issue six, <laughs> complete with a terrible pun <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> um, and then let's see, yeah, there's an Adventures of Sonic episode. Yeah, uh, Attack on Pinball Fortress. Yes, and also a Sat AM episode with uh, a pin, another a pinball trap where uh, Robotnik just straight up throws Sonic onto a giant pinball table. I did watch, I did rewatch Attack on Pinball Fortress before we recorded, and oh my god, that episode. Uh, so they're, <laughs> they pulled a lot from Spinball, but also not a lot. Like, there, there is a, like, big lava area that I assume was loosely based on the second level. Uh, the They fight a big scorpion boss, like in level one. Uh, and one of the weirder things is 
they just re straight up used Mario sound effects for all the pinball sounds <laughs> because they oh, had that because no. they had that whole sound bank from when they did Mario Brothers Super Show. Oh wow. right! So it's just like you straight up hear like coin noises and flagpole noises, and it's so weird. The deep cross contamination. Yeah, <laughs> and and just because I'm me, I did look this up. The episode was written by Bob Forward, one of the showrunners on Beast Wars. So it's like this episode is catering to me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the that's the Canada effect, I think. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> I actually weirdly do have some nostalgia for Spinball because I suppose it's because it was one of the games I played when I was a kid. Uh, even though I did not do very well, I got to Lava Powerhouse, and then it was over for me because I am not good at pinball. And this game is hard. Yeah, I, I was definitely the same way. Like, Toxic Caves was... I would get past it, and then once I hit Lava Powerhouse, I feel like, you know, the game was already pretty difficult, but then it really, like, spikes immediately once you hit level two, because there's so many ways to easily get stuck in the outlines and head straight for the drain, and there's no way to save yourself. Yeah. Unlike, unlike that uh, first table in uh, Toxic Caves, where... Every, you'll usually just land on the little uh, like platform at the bottom and be able to jump back up before the giant sea monster grabs you. I can't imagine being a child when it came out and ever figuring out you're supposed to bounce off of the uh, infinite line of cluck chicken robots uh, yeah. to go through some of those pipes in the lava area. Or like having to time your uh button presses just right to use the steam vents to bounce back and forth up the uh shaft although i don't know as someone who didn't realize you were supposed to get stuck on the uh the barrel of doom and sonic 3 maybe i could have figured that out (laughs) (laughs) that's a flex all right um i actually do remember like waking up in the middle of the night when i was a kid and to strange noises and it was my dad sitting up playing sonic spinball of all things oh wow fighting against the scorpion boss that was going (laughs) 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 that's a that's a memory that will stick with me yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah that spinball would basically be the only sonic pinball game for a good while uh we did kind of briefly get a little bit of like proper pinball again in sonic adventure with the two different tables you could play in casinopolis i tried replaying those again for this episode and honestly i think these might be my least favorites of any of the pinball stuff we're going to talk about today they're pretty twitchy i mean they're very pretty um i like the the sonic one has a lot of like really unique art like, it's a lot of classic art in this game that's, uh, you know, introducing the modern Sonic look. But, I mean, at the same time, uh, there's a reason, like, the best way to make it through that stage is to fail on purpose and get dropped into the garbage sewer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely what I do every time. Like, it just takes way too long to try and get those 400 rings through normal play. The, the Knight's Table 2 is very pretty, but also uh, incredibly twitchy and kind of hard to figure out with those cards. Yeah. If I'm, I'm remembering my own experience. It's not great, but imagine all the Saturn fans were like, oh, Knights, give it yeah. a, a, a crumb of Knights, thank you. I would need the sustenance to keep me going a little bit longer. <laughs> I, I imagine it was Before the famine. partly that and also Yuji Naka being like, hey, put Knights in it. Yeah, I can see that. You know what other game I worked on? Knights. (laughs) 
<laughs> Yuji Naka in the in the 2020s. Hey, you know what game I made a long time ago? Nice. Anyway, here's Balan oh. Wonderworld. Oh boy. Anyway. I, I don't see the connection. Uh, <laughs> but this was like the first time I dug deep on those tables and like actually found out about like the mega bonus you can get on the knight's table. If you like get the specific card combination and then go to the second bonus area and then you can collect all the ideas and take them back to the idea palace in the shoot where knights kind of dancing around and you get a bonus if you manage to collect all of them like i never managed to do that i don't think any other time i played it and this was the first time i really dug deep and tried to actually pull it off it's it's cool just as a thing that if you wanted to like really throw yourself into it you could like possibly get good but I don't know, just the way that Sonic as a ball interacts with the rest of the table just does not feel great. Like, especially when he's, you know, coming through the return lane and just kind of dragging against the edge. It's pretty obvious that oh, yeah. it's just, they were really trying to squeeze this mini game into an engine that wasn't really built for it, unfortunately. Ah, yes, yeah. the Sonic Adventure story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm discovering, uh, just through this conversation, my lack of skill with pinball might just be a misunderstanding of, like, the concept, is I'm only just now realizing that that pinball, and especially themed tables, have, like, lots of objectives. Yeah. And I guess when I was able to play most pinball, like, as a little kid, it was just more uh appealing to like the inherent need for violence in slamming these heavy <laughs> metal <laughs> um spheres around and not really pay attention to like oh no it wants me to try and control and hit the ball in this particular area and then like fun things happen and i'm like man i'm i'm rediscovering uh the actual purpose of pinball now yeah like <laughs> Maybe that that was the reason I had so much trouble. Yeah, that's the biggest reason why I've never been good at pinball personally is that, you know, I get that I need to hit these areas to accomplish whatever specific objective they want after years of playing Pokemon pinball and the Game Boy Color just yes. had drilled it into <laughs> me. But I have never been good at kind of controlling the movement of the ball and targeting specific areas. Like my brain is just not properly wired to kind of understand the specific timing or mm. angle i need to kind of use the physics and hit where all these areas are that's exactly it for me yes yeah. so for me it's more a game of kind of playing for survival just trying to avoid getting <laughs> sending the ball down the drain yeah i know where it wants me to send the ball i just don't know how to make it go there yeah and i will try <laughs> but it's like i understand the principle the concept is right there that's the how do I do it, though? It's uh, It never really comes naturally to me, either. Hey, folks. Cyberlink here. Uh, we interrupt your regularly scheduled broadcast to bring you something a little bit special. Uh, we kind of realized as we were recording this episode that as much as we've you know been enjoying our time with these games, we are not exactly pinball wizards over here. So I wanted to get in touch with somebody I know who is much more experienced with pinball than myself so I can get the get the opinions of an expert on how well these do kind of compare to the real thing and, you know, how well they hold up in that regard. So everybody, welcome to the show. My buddy, Derek. Derek, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks. I'm happy to be here. I'm really excited to talk about pinball. Yeah. So just kind of to begin with, 
you know, talk a little bit about your uh, pinball experience, you know, what got you in and like some of your personal favorites. Uh, So I have been playing pinball for just over 30 years. Uh, I started playing pinball when I was eight years old because my parents realized it was actually cheaper to take me to the bar with them than it was to get a babysitter. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, as it turns out, alcoholism does have some benefits. It gets you into the arcades at a very young age because it was way cheaper to give me a fistful of quarters and say, go nuts, bucko, than it was to arrange a babysitter. So, (laughs) silver linings. Uh, I started playing pinball... Uh, my first table that I can recall really falling in love with was uh, the Adams Family. The uh, just an absolute classic of a table. One of the first tables that had amazing theme integration. They brought Raul Julia in. They brought Ooh. Angelica Houston in to record lines specifically for that table. Uh, and what's really uh, neat about the history of the Adams Family is I'm sure you're aware that the Julia estate is very, very, very protective of anything to do with him. Uh, They are very, very fussy about licensing him, but when the uh, Pinball Arcade approached them saying we would like to do a digital recreation of the Adams Family, we would like to make that available, uh, and we are willing to pay you just just a truckload of money. Uh, they actually were willing to play ball, and it was one of the first times that that game had become made available again. Interesting. Yeah, it's a uh, it, it, it is a classic, and if you ever see one, it it is it is worth the fifty or seventy five cents. Nice. So yeah, I figure let's just get started with uh, Sonic Spinball right off the bat, the first proper Sonic pinball game, and you know, right off the bat, uh. I think our general consensus while we were talking was that, you know, it's an interesting, you know, curiosity, but it's something about the feel just doesn't quite hit right. So um, I guess that I have to mention my history with Sonic Spinball. I never owned a Genesis. I was I was a Super Nintendo kid. The only opportunities I had to play Sonic Spinball were at McDonald's play places. Oh, I miss that so much. If uh yeah, if you recall, you'd you'd get your your cheeseburger, you'd play around in the tubes, and then the, they have video games here, and you would play, and they would have uh predominantly Sega consoles, and they would have Sonic Spinball, and young little Derek would play that game and go, well, this isn't, we're not, why aren't we running to the right? Oh boy, Sonic Spinball. Um, to get ready for this, I sat down, broke out my Genesis Mini. And finally, at the age of 39, finished the first table of that game. (laughs) 40 years later, I finally got there. And oh boy, that game is... Now that I sat down and read that the game was made in just a few months because Sonic 3 wasn't going to make it out, all of a sudden, it makes a lot of sense why that game feels as charitably bad as it does yeah um, made in a few months and switched programming languages halfway through yeah um there's a lot to love the soundtrack is fantastic but there's also a lot when you look at pinball you can see where they took inspiration from and you can see how things went so very 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 awry um there were a lot of great tables that were released in 1993 during uh 
in the run-up to the production cycle and during the production cycle of that game. Uh, stuff like Bram Stoker's Dracula, Indiana Jones, The Pinball Adventure, the original Jurassic Park, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, Twilight Zone, Whitewater. We were at maybe one of the golden ages of pinball. And it's shocking to see so many great things happening in the physical space and so many awful things happening in the digital space. Uh, because even its predecessors, like Aliens Crush, Demons Crush, they took pinball and they took its charm and they said, what can we do with this to translate it to a video experience? And it, I feel like it just never landed there for Sonic's pinball. Yeah. Something, something I kind of experienced when I was playing through it is that they're not very good at kind of conveying the objectives that you're trying to shoot for beyond just get the emeralds, beat the boss. So, yeah, um, I 100%. There is a status scroll at the top of the screen. Uh, good luck being able to read it. It scrolls so fast. Once I realized it was there, I still couldn't perceive what it was trying to convey. And I don't know what is going on with the camera focusing. Maybe it's too tight. Maybe it's hardware limitations. But when you have the ball, when you, I guess when you have Sonic couched up on a flipper... You can't see anything that you would like to shoot at. In that very first area, when you are couched on those flippers at the very bottom of the screen, it is nigh impossible to know exactly where you want to go to get into those three snake pits and try and uncork to get to the uh, the center emerald. Yeah. It's just, I don't know if the game needed to pull... I mean, it would be great if the camera pulled out quite a bit. Uh but it's just, you never know where you need to be going, what you need to be doing. It does a very poor job of explaining this is what you actually need to be doing. Yeah, and I think that the camera thing can be chalked up to just, you know, this is our big mascot game. We want to make sure that our guy is visible, like, within a certain, uh, you know, amount of the screen or whatever, even if that means that the actual visibility of the table itself takes a hit. And I think that ended up, like, really biting them in the ass in the end. I did appreciate the segments where you had Sonic on foot. Uh, something that actually Sonic Pinball, or rather Sonic's Pinball, pioneered the uh, platform at the very bottom of uh, the first stage that you could land on and then a dragon may bite you or may not. Never really showed up in a physical table until three or four years ago with Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which has a physical ball save that if the ball were to drain and go between the flippers, there is a mech between the flippers that would just fling it back up into play huh. straight through the flippers as opposed to returning it to the shooting lane. So it was kind of neat to see something that originated in Sonic Spinball, later appear in an actual table. That's really interesting. I had no idea about that. There, there are a few things that uh, they drew on uh, existing tables. Uh, something that released in 93, Bram Stoker's Dracula, has a magnet-guided ball that travels across the table. And you can really see that in the uh, standard enemies that will just track back and forth. I'd like, I appreciate that, you know, Spinball does do some unconventional stuff in that pinball space. I'm just not sure that all of it worked. Like, 
especially, I don't know, some of the, like, I immediately think of like the second table where you have to bounce off the clucks as they're passing to get up to reach the pipe to get to the next emerald. It's like, that's such an obtuse thing that is so hard to nail. It's like, I'm not sure how anybody would have figured that out. That is a great question. Um, I did not read the manual. We do this. We are from Michigan. We do it in the way of Tim <laughs> Allen. We do not read the manual ever. But even if I did, I don't know if any amount of instruction book guidance could explain to me what the hell I needed to be doing. Um, I actually streamed playing the uh, stage one of this game. And people had to tell me, Derek, you can just you can just swim to the center emerald. You don't have to do the uh, the mine carts to get around. You can just swim there once it's uncorked. Just jump in the bucket. Yeah, I mean, it's so against, you know, every instinct that you would have, you know, either as a pinball player or just in terms of, you know, like raw instinct as a player in general. Uh, that said, I, there was a lot of fun stuff in the first stage. The gunky art style is extremely cool. I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, the minecart lever shots actually felt very good, um, which is kind of runs opposite to a lot of the orbits felt really, really, really late. Um, even when I would apply, okay, this is video pinball, it's not real pinball, I almost felt like I had to wait until the ball was passed to the tip of the flipper to make the flip to do some of the orbit shots around the table. Yeah. Like, I played using the uh, Genesis collection on Steam, which has a rewind button. And, you know, even though I was rewinding shots, trying to target things just right, it never quite felt like the ball was going where I wanted it to, no matter where I hit it, like, launching from the flipper. The dragon... The, just to go back to the dragon. The dragon is rad. Why is the dragon not on every table? Yeah, the later tables are a lot more unforgiving in terms of, you know, different drains to that will just immediately take you out. It kind of blows my mind that after the first stage, there is almost no ball save whatsoever. Actually, I believe there is no ball save for any center drain. I believe you're right. It it struck me as odd because ostensibly Sonic was at at its time was intended for a younger audience base who maybe don't have the necessary pinball experience or going from their, you know, run right platforming, playing pinball might be kind of a new concept to them. So Sonic Spinball is brutal. Yeah. It is a it is an incredibly challenging game. When you gave me the uh the code to unlock the later stages, I my first reaction was there's there's more than one stage. <laughs> what? Did, speaking of which, did you manage to beat the final Robotnik fight or? Uh, in stage one or at the end of the game? Uh, stage four. No. I don't blame you. <laughs> no. Uh, I, my ambition was to clear stage one and that is what I did. I spent as much time as I felt okay doing not ripping my hair out of my uh, head on two, three, and four. Boy, stage two needed some ball save. I cannot tell you how many times I plunged right, just straight down the middle. Um, that said, stage two was nice. It was not mirrored. I think that was one of my big gripes with the first stage was, cool, did you do all this on the left? Do it all again on the right. Yeah. 
Um, to hop to stage four, there are actually a couple things that, uh, again, appeared in later tables. The blocks in the main center area show up again in both Total Nuclear Annihilation, uh, the fantastic table from Spooky Pinball, and also Stern's Metallica Pinball Ooh. in these uh, straight targets, uh, three drop targets that are aligned in a row that you just have to smack, ball comes back. Make the shot again in the same position, but now because the first drop target is down, you may need to adjust just slightly because you'll need to get deeper into that shot, deeper into that trap. And those actually felt very good. Uh, It's a heartbreaker because the center of that area has this cursed 50-50 that will send you back to the center play field. Just, I I hope you guess right Mm. on this uh, rollover because otherwise you're not making any progress. Yikes. Um, stage four, I will say, I don't know why they waited this long to include it, but there are uh, three drop target banks on each side that light a kickback for each outlane. Really friendly. And I wish that was in every table up to that point. I don't know why they waited so long to go, hey, what if we... What if we gave you something to shoot for, something easy, let you get a little bit of time on this table, and we're going to help you stay alive if you do it? Yeah, those I ended up hitting the lava rocks, you know, triggering those basically on accident pretty consistently, and they were a godsend without question. Yeah, it's, um, it, it, it is a game I would love to get back to. It, it is a game I definitely intend to get back to, but... I think there are other Sonic pinball games I want to play more of first. Yeah, I do think that of the official games, I think the one that does the best job of replicating that feel and kind of really getting a like an understanding of what real solid pinball feels like is Sonic Pinball Party for GBA, which is the next one on the list. I so I I had never played it before up until this week, and I I gotta say that as as far as like everything I played for uh for this episode this is probably my favorite controlling one because like i was saying earlier to me it's got just the right amount of float to the ball like and and probably it's because of the gba sound font but like it reminds me a lot of um pokemon pinball like you were talking about earlier yeah i played the heck out of that when i was a kid and it's it's got some great music sonic's pinball party yeah a lot of really uh nice remixes it helps that they just stole half of the soundtrack from sonic advance yeah and reuse the sonic one tracks as a result yeah (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm all for that the the one that stood out is there is a a game boy advance remix of um god was it can you feel the sunshine i think it was no supersonic racing i think but they also have one of open your heart So I was also very unfamiliar with this game, and I I looked up and realized probably part of the reason why is that before they started putting it into, like, two-pack Game Boy cartridges, you could only buy this game at Target in the U.S. Really? And, like, nowhere in uh, other North American territories. Huh. Uh, like, places, I think, what is it, specifically, like, Canada and Mexico did not have Targets or, you know, American Targets. So you couldn't even buy this game by itself when it came out. 
Target, um, your exclusive location for Sonic Pinball Party. <laughs> yes, very weird. Um, I did not realize until I looked in it, this game has a story mode, um, which is very simple. Um, it, it starts with like a, a, a screen of text that says, Peace is returned, you know, to the land once more. Sonic defeated Eggman. Except now he's back and he's <laughs> taking over the world and the only way to stop him is through a pinball tournament. Not truly. The, the funny thing you run into is uh, you play as Sonic uh, going up against other people in this tournament, which they have listed lots of different Sega characters in the brackets, like Knights and um, Choo Choo's and uh, I think Ooh La La is up there. I think there might be a couple Burning Rangers characters in there. Yeah, but you only end up uh, playing against other Sonic characters. Um, and Tails and Amy have been captured and brainwashed by dr eggman and they have portrait art with scary red robot eyes um but the first stage is just against knuckles who's just being an asshole to sonic for no reason <laughs> yeah as <laughs> he is says like way. uh hey sonic uh you can't play pinball good you better get 10 million points. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that after you beat Knuckles, then he's very humbled. And this is where the screen cap of Sonic saying, you should think twice before you open your mouth again comes from. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Amy, Amy and Tails have been brainwashed by uh, Eggman's pinball demons. But yeah, Knuckles is just being mean to Sonic for no reason. <laughs> because he can. You beat you beat Eggman at a pinball challenge, and he's defeated forever. Yeah, like at the end, it's just like you've defeated me, and sounds like the world save credits. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's about the much stories you would expect from a pinball game. To be it's a it's a real we got enough money to save the rec center moment. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And they even um they even crammed the tiny Chow Garden in there, so you can hook this up to uh your GameCube adventure ports. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. I did, you know, kind of looking at the tables. I'm outside of like the some of the little enemies that will appear on the uh, thing, just walking around. There's not really anything on those tables that you could not theoretically build into a physical unit, which I think goes a long way into helping it feel like authentic pinball in a way. It helps that they drop the pretense of it. Like you're not playing Sonic as the ball; you're just playing pinball. Yeah, I yeah. think that kind of works this time. And I and I feel like you know just get the ball into the hole is a much easier way of doing boss battles than literally whatever they were trying to do with half of the boss fights in Spinball. But it's cool. Like I I really like a lot of the kind of fan servicey stuff they've done. Like. The Sonic, there's three different tables, one for Sonic, one for Knights, one for Samba de Amigo. The Sonic table literally goes through every stage in Sonic Advance. And will like you get a Chaos Emerald and advance a stage every time you defeat Eggman. And the Knights table has its own thing where, again, it's like you're getting the ideas and taking them back to the Idea Palace, just like in Knights. And then you have a boss fight against one of the Nightmarins. And then... The Sama de Amigo one, your goal is to get, like, activate whatever you have to, to basically play a rhythm game where you're playing through other songs. So, like, you've got Sonic Night Samba, but then you've also got songs from Choo Choo Rocket, Samba, uh, like Burning Rangers. I think there might be some Space Channel and Fantasy Star in there. It's, it's weird and I appreciate it. <laughs> 
It's like a few steps away from being Sega All-Stars pinball, essentially. A little bit, yeah. Oh, I would absolutely play that, if that was a real thing. <laughs> I, I want to say that that was for, like, a Sonic Team... The game was made for, like, a Sonic Team anniversary, which I think was part of that. It was kind of entering that era where uh, Sega was doing, like, uh, weird party spinoffs, because I... Want to say uh, around the same time you got the the iToy game for the PS2. Yeah, th- that was a yeah that was a few years before Superstars. And then you would uh, yeah you would start to get like the Superstars line of games with tennis and <laughs> then we would get racing etc. Yeah, kind of them dipping their kind of dipping their uh, feet back into it after you know having done a handful of crossovers before like you know Fighters Mega Mix or whatever. <laughs> Let's talk Sonic Pinball Party. Uh, you know, this was definitely a more traditional pinball game than, you know, Spinball. So, you know, what are kind of your thoughts on that? So, right off the top, lane changes. Um, something in pinball is called the return lane. It is the four lanes, two on the outside, and then the two that return to the flippers. And they'll usually have lights above them or stars above them. And if you get all four of them lit, something good will happen. Yep, I, I, I played Pokemon Pinball. I'm very familiar. Exactly. In Sonic Spinball, there is no way to light the outlane switches short of going down the outlane, which could cost you a ball. Uh, something in Physical Pinball is called lane changes, where you will tap the flipper and it will move all of the lights uh, sometimes on one flipper bank, sometimes across the whole thing in one step or the other. So if you press the right flipper, it will move all the lights one direction to the right. So if you have a ball, say, coming back a wire form to the left flipper and the left flipper is lit, tap a flipper, move a unlit light to it and get that lit. So it was really neat to see uh, that appear in that game, it made lighting all my return lanes much easier. Uh, it was great to see them do proper ramp switches. That when you would make a ramp, it actually wouldn't credit you for that ramp until you were just about done. It was gratifying but frustrating to see it during any post-Robotnik moment where you would have a large value hurry up. Where you would have that like 500,000 point countdown. And I go, okay, I'm going to make my ramp shot. And being video pinball, it can be squirrely. It can also be a little generous that you'll make it halfway up the ramp, a third of the way up the ramp, and the game will just nudge it along. It'll make it happen for you just very slowly. Mm. So I'm sitting there watching the ball stuck at the top of this ramp, making its way over, and I'm watching the value of this hurry up count down, and I'm going, just, just go, just go. I don't care which way you go, if you go to complete the ramp, or if you brick out and come back to the flippers, please, just do something. (laughs) Give me the ball back. If I can get control, I can make shots again. And watching it sit at the top of the wire form is just maddening. Yeah. That said, the fact that they implemented something that exists in real pinball was really cool to see. Yeah. Like, I, I was talking during our episode proper, and it's, I said that, you know, aside from, you know, the little enemies walking around, there's really nothing on any of these tables that I don't think you could make, like, in a physical table if you were to try and, you know, build one based on these. There are a couple things that exist outside of physical reality, like the... uh 
left ramp exits outside of the table and then comes back in. Yeah. Which, hey, pinball makers, go for it. Leave the, <laughs> leave the space. We have ramps that go through the back box. Screw it. Let's start going outside. Sonic Pinball Party, it reminded me a lot of the very early Zen pinball tables, if you recall those for like the Xbox 360. Yeah. Where it was just a lot of, hey, we've made a lot of shots. Every shot has a word. And every time you make that shot, you get a letter. Um, Which is fun. It's neat to see progress. But it also can feel kind of plotting. I would have liked to have seen it uh, operate a little bit faster. Though it's on the Game Boy Advance. It's hard to really demand too much. Especially when it does so much right. The game is crisp it's very clean it is very obvious what you need to be shooting what you need to be doing the pop-ins look great you are never unaware of what you need to be doing though maybe you're unaware of what you need to do to make specific things happen yeah like i know they have you know the three different table styles uh which of them do you think was the one that you enjoy the most between sonic knights and samba uh, I enjoyed Sonic the most. Knights was enjoyable, but the ball control felt floaty. Well, I mean, it's Knights. <laughs> yeah, which makes perfect sense. But I, you know, being a purist, I want my pinball to behave in a way that is predictable. Um, and obviously, this is not a game that was made for me. Touche. Uh, so I, I definitely enjoyed the time I spent with the Sonic table the most. I would go so far to say that it's it is heir to Kirby's uh, pinball land. That's that's high praise. I mean it. It is in the pantheon of video pinball on a handheld, which I realize is actually kind of a niche category. There's only a couple games that really fit in there. It definitely gave me the same feeling of playing that in the backseat of my parents' car driving cross country. I should do that again. <laughs> I should. You know what? Here's my plan. I'm going to have my parents drive me to Virginia and I'm going to play Sonic Pinball Party in the back of the car and I will report back with my findings. I bet I'll have a way better time. I like this plan. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. <laughs> so we've, we've talked about Spinball. We've talked about some of the elements in Adventure and then we talked about Pinball Party. Uh, and besides what we talked about earlier about how Sonic Forces kind of has some pinball elements in it, the only real like sort of dedicated pinball aspect of a sonic game that's come out in even somewhat recent years is the uh the extra bit in sonic generations for the casino night pinball machine yeah like i i spent when that first game first came out i spent a lot of time playing that mini game i I actually managed to get all the chaos emeralds and hit the big bonus a couple of times. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think that that game, you know, it's still not quite accurate pinball physics, but everything I've seen is, like, it gets as close to it as any game where Sonic is the ball has gotten to feeling, like, actually pretty good. I do like going back to it every once in a while just to do a quick score attack or something. Which, am I crazy, or the console versions are the ones that had the the pinball table but only as pre-order bonuses and it's only ever been officially released with the the pc steam version so it was originally pre-order bonuses on console uh then it was free on steam 
and then they made it free on Xbox, and then they never went back and made it free on PS3. Okay, so I was about to say, poor bastards <laughs> like me that only have the PS3 oh, version. Oh, oh, oh. Generations is backwards compatible on Xbox One and Series X, so there's nothing stopping you from getting that content for free yeah. and playing it on your new consoles if you get one of those which they also revisited casino night in the 3ds version of uh sonic generations which is nice it uses the uh the same really awesome like big band jazz remix of that song it's it's that level <laughs> the 3ds version of generations is a little bare bones it's very dimpsy um <laughs> the modern version is the classic version like all the genesis levels uses the act one layout directly from the original game so yes <laughs> let's talk the uh generations pinball so they had a pinball mini game in sonic adventure it was bad which is why we're not talking about it years later we would get the sonic generations pinball mini game free dlc and i know you played a little bit of that when you played the uh stream to settle our decade-old bet <laughs> Uh, you seem to have a pretty good time with it then. I was wondering if your opinion had changed that now after spending a little more time with it. Yeah, so when I sat down and played it during the Derek makes good and pays his debts uh, <laughs> suffering stream, it was immediately, oh, wow, they made Spinball, they made it modern. I think it suffered a little bit from Sonic Spinball's doesn't really tell you what you need to be doing. At the time, I sat down recently and I played for about three hours, and boy is it pretty. Yeah. Boy do I never want to hear that soundtrack ever again. See, that song lives in my head rent-free. You may want to get a lawyer and have it evicted. <laughs> Sonic Generations Pinball, it's gorgeous. It feels good to play. It definitely feels a little bit tighter than Spinball did, but there were a couple times that I would make a specifically the right ramp shot when it would become the uh, the loop loop to the upper playfield. Sometimes I feel like I would have that I would have it zoned in when the loop was down, but when the loop was up, I feel like I would be missing that shot. Uh, now I was playing it emulated on an Xbox Series X. I don't know. Because that got all kinds of touch-ups, if that maybe changed anything. But it definitely felt inconsistent. Mm. It's gorgeous. It's fun. It feels nice to shoot. Gosh, I wish it was better. I didn't realize immediately that it was just... I, I had to sit down and Google. I had to go to GameFAQs.com and go, what the hell do you do in this table? And I did not know that it was, you just get the most points. You just play until yeah. you roll the score over. Because you have these seven Chaos Emerald inserts, and I was lighting them up, and I'm like, okay, something's going to happen at seven, right? Something's. I'm going to turn it to supersonic. No, it, it never happens. We made it up. Yeah, the only thing you get for all seven Emeralds is just the rings start coming down and they don't stop, basically. Yeah, that is true. I had to be asked, hey, is that sound going to play forever from my uh, from my partner? Sonic Generation suffers from something in pinball that we call chopping wood, uh, which is you are making the same shots over and over and over until you can finally progress to one nugget of fun. Uh, it's a very enjoyable table. It's a lot of fun for what it is, but it, given that that is a piece of pre-order DLC, I guess I was hoping for just a little more depth, 
especially because they included things like classic Sonic having three air-altering dashes and modern Sonic having that boost gauge. I was really hoping we would see something that would incorporate those and be a, a proper heir to Sonic Spinball, which I realize is a big ask for a piece of free DLC. Yeah. I, 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 every time I play that table, I forget that I can even do the dashes or the boost. I don't feel like they've ever really saved me from hitting the drain or whatever. And I, every time I forget, I might hit the button on accident and end up sending myself where I don't want to go. So classic Sonic's uh, dashes were useful if you can think of the uh, on the main playfield, there would be four rollover switches that would have a wire form rotate over to a separate plunger, and it would launch you up to a two bumper area with five targets that you would need to hit to make an elevator appear. The dashes helped me hit the fourth target up there, which was just hellacious to hit. Yeah. And it was heartbreaking when I finally got up there to see that, oh, it's just another path back to the slot machine. Though that specific setup up there did appear later in a physical pinball machine. You can find it in the modern Mandalorian table. Ooh. has a mechanic very much like that. Interesting. It was a table that I had played before I played generations pinball and i get oh this is just like the mandalorian table it was neat to see something that again came before a physical table uh appear in a physical table later you go back and stuff like that has roots even back in like the original casino night zone from sonic 2 where it's all about using the plungers to hit the slot machine get the bonuses and everything so it's cool to see that kind of carry forward even outside of the sonic context as pinball evolves and as pinball is forced to grow and forced to innovate, I I really wonder if we will see elements of not just Sonic pinball, but video pinball slowly start to make their way into uh, our physical tables. The ball launch uh, on the aforementioned Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, it was just a delight. I didn't know it was going to happen. I drained, I said, oh man, what a bummer. And then, boop, the ball just came back up and I was back in play. And I I hope to see more things like that. There are a lot of things that Sonic did in a neat way that I think could be adapted very well to physical pinball. For sure. Yeah, that's basically all of the official kind of Sonic pinball games. Uh one game we also want to talk about that's, that is not official but is very cool is uh, Sonic Pinball Panic, which is a game that was built in Unity. I first discovered it during, I believe, Sage either last year or the year before. And it's straight up just a realistic pinball table built in Unity. It just feels really good to control. Man, it is it is so good. So I, I played it like uh, probably two hours or so before we started the podcast today. And I, I realized that I was actually like making progress in it because I was going to stop at one point. And I was like, oh, I'm already halfway through it. I wonder if I can get to the end. I did not get there, but it, it's, <laughs> it, it really feels it, it, like the physics of it just feel right. Like, it, like I, I still, I think I enjoy Pinball Party just a little bit more from the floatiness, but like, I, I really love how it controls how Pinball Party, or I'm sorry, Pinball Panic. <laughs> Too many subtitles. Yeah. Uh, Pinball Panic. Panic. Uh, I, I like how it controls uh, on, on the computer. Um, 
It's man. The developer has uh, a bunch of videos on the website about the like the the actual development, and then like straight up has a walkthrough of most of the game, and it's very uh, fascinating. Like I said, maybe from my perspective as someone who didn't really understand uh, pinball tables, um, of how he walks you through like how the uh, the in-game screen uh, displays like objectives, like it wants you to take out a badnik before hitting the uh, the end of uh, level spinner, and then like to get to Robotnik, you have to take out a couple of badniks, or you know, bump up against Knuckles to lower the bridge, or hit the loop-de-loop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's very cool. It's it's so so neat to see the the thought process, not just as a interesting like sonic thing but like uh, if someone had enough gumption and you know unlimited time and resources uh, it seems like this could be like a real table yeah it's a cool proof of concept for something that we would love to see in the real world yeah Yeah, i i really like the way they do like that kind of badnik uh objective system it's a good kind of translation of the run left to right general flow of sonic yeah i think that's a good way of kind of really integrating that into like pinball objective gameplay i also really enjoy the sound design of the game both of course yeah in, in like in like the classic sounds uh like when you hit things or uh like the uh the speed shoes sound and all that but also just like i love the fact that like underneath all the music and sound effects of the of the, like the pinball machine you just have like this constant track of what sounds like people in an arcade all around you like laughing and having a good time yeah it's it's good foley work i like it's it a lot. such good immersion like oh it, I, I will <laughs> i will say uh the only thing i don't like about it is the the terrifying frontal perspective of sonic yeah boot up the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i think i think a lot of that was intentional oh, yeah. because of the uh the the like he modeled the toys of the characters look very much like a like a licensed plastic oh mold yeah from back in the day <laughs> yeah and here's yeah this giant sonic behind the pinball machine too that also looks like that <laughs> i just think of uh pumbaa from lion king going he's gonna eat me <laughs> <laughs> it, it's got it's definitely got a charm to it i love it a lot yeah but uh, it's so good and i'm I, like i might play more of it after this podcast is over yeah I just love the fact that when you beat the when you beat Robotnik in there, it spins like it, the little model spins around to reveal the egg the egg prison. Like it's really, you really making the best use of the asset. The I say assets like it's a real game. But that's <laughs> what they're going for. It's like trying to replicate like a real table. Yeah, that is exactly how they would do it on a real table. That's genius. That's oh, very good. And then speaking yeah. of real tables, outside of actual like game content, we did get a handful of pinball themed toys, including a. Tommy made kind of one of those little uh, electronic pinball machines that had like the manual score counter at the top. And it, I think it was just like one of their existing pinball table toys reskinned just based on the sound effects and the layout and everything. But I watched a video of one of them because I haven't seen one of those things in years. And I forgot just how noisy those things get. It's just constantly like <laughs> buzzing and vibrating and it's just, Oh, it's a there, lot. There's lots of videos where people have restored these to like pristine condition. But yeah, the second they turn it on, I mean, it's like being dropped into a layer of hell. <laughs> the uh, sensory overload of the 90s. I love it. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Might have to put a very quiet sample of that <laughs> just to expose the audience to it. <laughs> expose is a good word for it. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> really represents that in-your-face spirit of the 90s. They also put out a uh, Tiger Electronics handheld Sonic Spinball LCD game because everything needed one of those at some point or another. Yeah, I think I had the Sonic 3 one at the time. They reissued that within the last couple of years. I oh, know, wow. I'm trying. It's one of those like, oh, do I need to spend money on that? No. <laughs> it wasn't fun as a kid either. I thought about picking up the reissued Transformers G2 one at some point. Yep, yep. It's just to have like a fresh version of something you might have held as a child. So you can create the illusion that we're back in time to when things were simpler and we didn't mm, know anything. Exactly. So things were seemed a lot better. Exactly. <laughs> uh even even as recently as um the new line of like sonic toys that pop up around here is a uh, jack's had jack's pacific yeah. had a pinball green hill playset which um might have been i thought i remember seeing that there might have even been a a mighty figure yeah they set. they did little uh spherical figures of sonic tails knuckles metal mighty and ray I, that's one of those that i've never seen in like my local store yeah i can usually either. find some of those to you know collect and put up on the shelf but that was a that was a rare one. i think i saw a ray in my local store once but i foolishly did not think to get one and now he's gone and now he's <laughs> I'm gone sorry, i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> um i should have brought this up last episode but i keep mentioning my friend um who is a big fan of, uh, who has unique experiences with Sonic. Mm -hmm. um, his whole, you mentioned Ray the Flying Squirrel, and I don't know if it's going to make it in the podcast, but uh, you mentioned Ray the Flying Squirrel. Lately, he's been called, he's been in the habit of calling the character Ray Romano. And um, <laughs> <laughs> to the point, and he, 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 so when he was playing Sonic Mania, he was like calling him, I'm, I've got Ray Romano now, and I'm going to play with him. <laughs> to the point that uh, what my, another friend of mine, Cassandra, actually started to believe that the character was called Ray Romano for a while. <laughs> so, it was just a bit that he was doing he'd actually convinced someone that this little yellow flying squirrel was legitimately called ray romano <laughs> like, yes. it's just like amy rose he's got and miles power he's got a last name it's romano Did you guess uh -huh. of course oh mighty long time no see <laughs> deborah deborah i'm a pinball <laughs> so uh, that's re that's relevant to our pinball discussion uh so that's uh that's my weekly bringing up a car in relation to this <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about our last game sonic pinball panic the fan-made unity game which oh it's so cool yeah uh is it g miller yes made that uh g incredible incredible work this was um it has the benefit of being the most modern but it was, without question, the most fun. It is the game I will be going back to and playing more of. I, I plan on playing more of it tonight. It is a very, very clear game. It has great directions. It has great intent. The feel is good. The Sonic flavor is amazing. Yeah, like the first time I, you know, beat the Eggman boss battle and saw it turn around to show the little animal capsule... I just, my mind was blown because that's such an inspired idea. Yeah, and that is something that has appeared in Pinball before in Champion's Pub. There is a large mech that operates very slightly like that Robotnik one that when it is not in use, it turns around and is a uh, a punching bag. But when it is time to fight, it spins around and is a, a boxing man with swinging arm mech. So it was neat to see something that, uh, again, appeared in real Pinball appear in this and has never appeared in real pinball again because that thing breaks 
all the time. Oh, I bet. I bet. It, it is a nightmare to repair. I really loved that they gave a different kind of goal. That it wasn't just collect rings, shoot ramps, go fast. It took me a minute to realize, oh, it it is telling me it wants me to hit these targets. Shoot this ramp, hit Clucker, the chicken. Yeah. Shoot the loop. It it felt very cool. The Chaos Emerald collection being completely secondary to the game's main progress track, I thought was really fun and inspired. By the time I got to Robotnik 4 and it started having the option to Robotnik could just kill you when you tried to hit him, really nailed at least my issues with Sonic, uh, where I would just never slow down and think about boss fights. I would go, gotta jump at him, gotta jump at him, gotta jump at him. Why am I dying? (laughs) It's a delight. It's an absolute delight. The only thing that uh, surprises me is that it doesn't have a lot of flow, which you would think you would expect in a in a Sonic the Hedgehog game where you just want to be going around, going as fast as possible, going from area to area, thing to thing. And it's definitely a very shot-making game. You peg this shot, move on. Now peg this shot, now move on. Um, so I felt like the game felt stilted in a way. Mm. But it plays to the game's focus. The game is very much, make these shots, don't worry about too much else, worry about what you need to be doing. So in that way, it's it, it's a criticism that I have of what I would like from a Sonic Pinball game, but it is entirely on par with what the game wants to be doing. Yeah, I definitely agree. The uh, rings and the shield letting you come back from... Uh, drains was absolutely inspired when i would drain and i would get just my ball would come back to the shooting lane i would go huh why and then i saw the rings on the back box dmd and i realized oh i'm just getting dinged 10 rings and i will only actually drain if i have none left and when that hit it it made me have such a complete appreciation of what they did for this. It's, I am thinking about it, and I am smiling. And I think that's the highest praise I can give any video game. 100%. Like, it it is a game I plan to go back to tonight. This all ultimately comes down to, why the heck did Sega not make a Sonic Pinball machine back when they were making those? But for real, though, Mario did a couple. They did, like, two Marios. (laughs) Mario got two of them! (laughs) And, like, they would put they would put Sonic in, like, the little LCD screens at the top of their games. Here's one I found of, like, Sonic in the Baywatch game. Yeah, Sonic (laughs) right below a bikini-lined crotch. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I'm assuming that's Pamela Anderson. Like, all my fanfics. Wait. Yeah, I think it it is. But, like, I, I took a picture of that, and I'm like, this is further reinforcing my belief that they seriously should have done this back in the 90s, and they never did, and it kind of makes me angry. Just while I was researching this, I discovered somebody actually did. And it pulled you out of your anger fugue state. <laughs> Little bits. Like, <laughs> I read an interview from last January on Sonic Stadium with Ryan McQuaid, a pinball homebrew creator who has been 
spending the last couple of years working on a Sonic Spinball pinball machine. It might be one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, man, it's so cool. I really like what he's been doing to kind of work in the gameplay. Like, it's got a lot of the uh, area, like the bonuses and areas you would expect, but also you don't have to worry as much about, uh, like, a lot of the multipliers that you see in a lot of pinball tables, he's like, I don't really like a lot of those because it kind of makes things a little unbalanced for new players versus vets, where it's like a new player could play amazingly while a vet could play not as well. And the veteran might still do better because they know, okay, I have to hit this specifically to hit the multipliers and get the higher score. So even if it's not like, as skilled play, if they can still hit those multipliers, it's going to end up better for them in the end. So what Ryan has done is specifically tied everything to a speed mechanic where by hitting the spinners multiple times, you can increase this speed meter Sonic has. And the higher that is, the higher your multiplier will be. So it's basically a system of trying to keep that constantly in motion and boosted while also trying to hit all the other objectives on the table. It's a really clever way of doing that, I think. Yeah, it looks it looks like so much fun to play. I, like, if this were ever to pop up at like a well, like a like a pop up installation of like fan made unique pinball games, I would consider like trying to get out to wherever it is just to play it. <laughs> yeah, I know he's been kind of taking it around to pinball expos. It's been really well received there. Uh, one of the other things is that it's got a little mini LCD uh, monitor inside the table, so it will tell you like what stuff you should be targeting without you having to look up at the like bigger LCD on the backboard. Genius. <laughs> the other cool thing is that at the start of the game, you can actually like select your favorite Sonic game from like all the classic games or generations or the Game Gear games. And it will specifically be like all the music and sound effects will be themed around whichever one you select, which is a super cool feature. I love on the, um, on like the full board that you play on. Um, it's got, squiggly art of sonic and everybody it's kind of like that neat that like needle mouse style kind of thing yeah with like the sonic the sketchhog kind of yeah, styles uh, drawings yeah it is absolutely gorgeous it is a wonderful thing to look at like even even somebody like me who like i said is very <laughs> very casual pinball person um it is so pretty <laughs> I, actually i don't think you guys have seen the most recent version of the table i went digging to like oh. look at more of the progress reports and since that uh like footage it's gone through a big overhaul here's the most recent uh Ooh, look oh, at that. yeah so like they've got a bunch of like actual jack specific uh collectible toys in there oh like, that's so uh, cool little layout things it's got the monitor in the back uh i don't know if you can easily see it on top but like it's got models of the hidden palace with uh, the Master Emerald and the Chaos Emeralds. Uh, and they all light up depending on which emerald you're currently targeting. Yeah, and we'll be sure to link all of this to the interview, the videos, these pictures. Uh, you know, we, we try and this is a, a, an audio medium, but uh, y'all definitely need to go check this out. Yeah. It is absolutely mind-blowing how gorgeous this table is. 100%. I think the coolest thing about it is that it's got an actual vertical loop, which is not something you see in a lot of pinball machines just because of the way the physics work. So yeah. the fact that he managed to get that incorporated, which is kind of, I feel like it's a necessity if you're going to make a Sonic pinball table. But the fact that he managed to make it work is just 
really really cool to see i mean that gives me that pinball party vibe actually looking at it like that yeah so (laughs) yeah bring it into the real world i like it all the execution is just so clever and he's like he even managed to incorporate elemental shields like the fire shield will protect you if you get stuck in the leftmost uh outlane the bubble shield will protect you in the rightmost outlane the lightning shield will protect you from the main drain and then also they all have specific functions on different levels so like if you're in the water level there's a mechanic where you have to hit a specific bumper or else you'll drown but if you have the water shield it takes that away it's just such a clever integration of those mechanics into like a real life table and i i commend this dude for putting so much thought and effort into it because it's it's just so cool it's literal pinball wizardry. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I love how we start off the episode with, man, fans do so many great things, and we end that way too. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at this. This is our weekly like rehashing of the meme. Sega should hire this guy. No, no literally, Sega, <laughs> please hire this man. Like, I don't know if you have to talk to you know Stern or whoever to get a licensor in on this, but I would love to see this machine just as is mass-produced because it's really close to just being a perfect translation of sonic pinball into a real thing and i would love to see more people have access to play that looking at sega's track record of um employing fans and their cool concepts into actual things it gives me hope looking at this because this is so cool yeah (laughs) yeah i would suck at it but it's so cool (laughs) it's a good thing it's free play yeah i think this just about covers kind of the whole thing we've pretty much run the gamut on this episode again but there, I learned a lot of stuff while researching for this that I did not know about Sonic Pinball. And it's really cool that it still continued to be such a significant part of Sonic's whole aesthetic and gameplay as a whole. Uh, we've really plunged into the uh, Sonic Pinball world and really bounced around from game to game and high score. Um. <laughs> Flippers! It is, it is cool. I don't think I have really sat down and thought about how much of Sonic's original gameplay probably comes from pinball until now too. I, I just love the fact that like when the when the Sonic fan community like really gets his creative juices going and makes something really cool, like they can draw from like at this point like anything from Sonic because you know in the grand scheme of everything that is Sonic pinball is not the biggest part of it, but the fact that not only do we have like a great unity based pinball game with sonic but the fact that somebody has spent literal years making a full pinball machine like honestly this is one of the reasons why i love doing this podcast because we get to you know put a spotlight on the legitimately amazing and great things that fans have done with the sonic property and sega it's just like awesome good job instead of yeah instead of being like no no don't do that yeah we get to be like we get to be really self-important and tell and tell you to look at all these people who've actually put real physical effort into <laughs> fan creations <laughs> while we talk here like a bunch of nerds um but to be fair i wouldn't know about this stuff unless we did this podcast so we're all learning yeah, yeah. all of us together we're expanding our sonic minds the sonic hive mind that's gonna be really useful in our lives <laughs> Look, man, times are tough. I'm just happy for any chance to see cool stuff. My hope and dream is, what are the Sonic Mania people up to? Uh, They are working on the new collection that just got announced. At least one of them is. Like, they are doing... Oh! They did the remasters for 1, 2, and CD years ago. Those are in there. And now those are going to... Like, now they're working on the remaster of 3 and Knuckles. It's going to be in there as well. 
fantastic. A, glad they're getting work. B, I guess the only thing they have left to do now is go after a new Sonic Spinball. Because I would love to see that. I would love to see a new uh, Genesis-style Sonic Spinball. I would love to see what people could do now, what they think, knowing uh, how Pinball has evolved, knowing how Sonic has evolved. I would love to see what they could do with it now. Yeah, I think there is room for a really interesting take on a pinball platformer in this day and age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, with the success of games like Yoku's Island Express, the the time is now. I would love to see a new Sonic pinball. I would love to get my hands on that physical Sonic spinball table. Oh, that table is so cool. I am hoping and praying that it will be at uh, Replay this year. When is replay this year? I haven't uh, checked. I, I believe it is September. I believe. I could be wrong. Hey, folks, your editor game buddy chiming in here. Turns out Derek and Luke got the name wrong and we're thinking of a different convention that no longer exists because they're old and remembering things is hard. The actual name of this con is 2D Con and it's happening August 22nd through the 26th. 2022 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Should be a good time, so check it out if you're in the area. All I know is that they will have a Weird Al's Museum of Modern Hilarity there, and I am ready. My checkbook is ready. <laughs> if you do manage to go and try it out, then we may have to have you back on for, you know, field report. Absolutely. That table looks so cool. Just as someone who sits around and thinks about how to make pinball tables and is working on a pinball table, to look at someone who has made such an incredible table and such an incredible homage to this game and this genre, but has sat down and really done the work and, and said, how can I take these things? How can I take the trappings of Sonic the Hedgehog, but make it work in pinball? Uh, essentially working in the reverse direction of the team that had to make Sonic Spinball going, how can we trick the trappings of pinball and make it work with Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah. It, it is very, very cool. Uh, and I am so glad that Sega seems pretty chill about not nuking it from orbit. They are pretty good at not nuking cool things from orbit, generally speaking. But that about brings us to the end of our discussion. Derek, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your insight. Would you uh, care to plug all your socials and everything? Hey, thank you. Uh, a, happy to be here. Love to talk about pinball. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at D-E-R-T-E-K. And you can follow my Twitch channel at Universal Dirtek. That's U-N-I-V-E-R-S-A-L-D-E-R-T-E-K. Really need to fix that one, huh? <laughs> All in due time. All in due time. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And uh, we now return you to your previously scheduled episode. Thanks so much for having me. Like we said earlier, that about covers it as far as the subject of Sonic and pinball. Uh, we legitimately hope that you've had a good time listening because I know that we've all had a great time just talking about this and learning about all the different facets of pinball in Sonic. It's really cool. <laughs> Uh, you can always find us on the different social medias. I, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all under Rock the Jake. Uh, you can find me all over the place as Falero. That's F-A-U-L-E-R-R-O. Did I, uh, did I come up with a song for it last time? Doesn't matter. Yeah. You'll get it. Well, I was going to say, I like this little jingle that you have for your name now. <laughs> uh, and I'm Game Buddy. You can find me on Twitter at Great Job Jeremy. That's G-R and the number eight. And you can find me on Twitter at Cyberlink420. 
And of course, please subscribe to Sonic F series on YouTube if you aren't already, because oh, we've we've got such plans. Such plans. Oh yes. And of course, special thanks to Amy Waters for letting us use the theme song from the album Gotta Go Slow. Uh, it's a fantastic album and I'm part of it, so you should go listen to it for that reason as well. <laughs> but legitimately, it's a fantastic, uh, chill Sonic album full of good jams. Next episode, we're going to change mediums from video games and physical games into comic books. We're going to talk about the Champions arc. Yeah, so that is issues 268 through 271 of the Sonic the Hedgehog comic from Archie, uh, the adaptation of Sonic the Fighters, and it is one of our collective like favorite arcs of that comic. So I think we're all eager to go back and kind of give it another read for the first time in a few years. So yeah, yeah. definitely tune back in next time to hear us all just completely gush. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you can if you can get your hands on it, folks. If you can now, uh, absolutely read along with us cuz it's a fun time. Might not be able to get a hold of it physically, but hey, I'm just saying there are other ways and they're all out of print, so nobody's making money on them, so if you catch my hint, <laughs> yo ho ho. <laughs> Yaha and a fiddle dd. Um <laughs> Again, thank you so much for listening. I am Rock the Jake. I am Falero. I'm Cyberlink. And I'm Game Buddy. And remember, he made me persistent. He made you too dumb to quit. <laughs> <laughs>